Hi, this is Frank Muller, and this is Is It Right or Is It Easy? You can follow us here at our website, writeoreasy.com. That's write-or-easy.com. Uh, just click the show button, and you can subscribe or unsubscribe at your pleasure. You can also listen to us uh, here on our podcast, uh, Is It Right or Is It Easy? And it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and uh, many other podcasting platforms. Today's meditation is about the friendship of Christ. Um, I'm going to skip to the end of this because there's a link to a audio book titled the same, The Friendship of Christ. If this meditation in any way sparks a thought, um, a movement of the soul, I encourage you to buy this book and listen to the audiobook version. Uh, it may be a blessing as you contemplate these in, this important question. One of the greatest mysteries of Jesus of Nazareth surrounds his teaching that, quote, what you do or fail to do for the least of them, you do or fail to do to me. Hmm. It's a hard teaching. This is the thought we want to carefully consider and ponder today. Let us start to try to work through this notion and how it may become more present to us the nature of who he claims to be and what he claims to be doing and what our role is in that. Not to mention just how unbelievably radical this teaching was then and remains so today. So the first question to consider is, who are the least that he refers to? Throughout scripture, Jesus refers again and again that he came to save and serve sinners, not just the righteous. Then as now, that's unbelievable. In those times, as in today's times, and throughout the future that is constrained by time, Jesus claims to take upon himself and those who claim to know him the call to save and serve sinners. He claims that his purpose is to reconcile sinners to himself and thus to God. That is, he is claiming he is God made flesh, human. Astonishing. He goes on to further that claim in that he loves all people, period. And he wants all to be saved and reconciled. Simply said, the least of us 
is us because he says we are all sinners in either our thoughts, words, actions we have performed or actions that we have failed to perform that we should have. So once again, just because I act or fail to act towards a sinner or any human being, because we're all sinners, in a loving way, how is that a thing done or not done to them is on me? It is so because he claims to take on all sin from the beginning of time to its end upon himself and that every human that has existed or will exist will sin until all things are made new. Hmm. That is, in every created human being, he is present to them because he takes sin upon himself and thus in some mysterious way, he is within each of us because sin exists in us all. In that divine presence, even in the evilest of people, there are and will be moments of goodness and even justice that has flowed through them from the Creator. This is the still whispering voice of the Creator calling us to do good. This image, which for many may just be the dullest, slightest of reflections, still has something good in them. And that good comes from the Creator, not them. The Creator loves His creation, and He seeks to save it from that which destroys it, which is the disobedience of sin. No matter how vile we may view a person, Jesus sees something beautiful and wants to be with them forever by saving them from their sin. This is remarkable. Thus, the teaching is that all sin is a direct punishment to our Creator and to Jesus personally as He takes on all those sins, every lie, every lustful act, every jealous or covetous ambition, every false idol we place in our lives, every desecration of the Sabbath is a direct blow of the nail in the wrist of Jesus. He is telling us that all of our personal sins are the lashes of the whip tearing away his skin. He is telling us that the sins of every person, every day that they, they mock and ridicule him, who is without sin and is blameless. He is telling us that it is personal and not limited to just those Roman executioners. So it is as if he is saying 
that every sin ever committed or will be committed by sinner or saints is a torture to his body and that he will willingly bear that for us as an offering for our reconciliation to our creator, our father, God. This is why he says he came to die for his friends because he dwells in them as they dwell within him. He is perfecting his commandment to love God and to love others, to sacrifice and to serve others for the forgiveness of sins. What kind of infinite love is this? He goes on to say that this indwelling can even be partaken of physically by the consumption of his body. You've got to be kidding. Therefore, in some supernatural sense, he is indwelling all of creation and in a real and physical sense can also become present to us now. That's what he's saying. This teaching was so radical and so offensive as Jesus sat down at table with sinners of the worst kind. And actually, he enjoyed being in their company. He ate with them. He drank with them. He laughed with them. And he taught them. But here is the real message. He is not giving them a get-out-of-jail-free card with carte blanche to continue to sin recklessly and selfishly because they think that if they drink with him, they are saved. No. He tells these sinners to repent, be baptized, and go and sin no more. He will offer to absorb the eternal damage of sin. They won't have to. And all he asks is to love him and others and to stop adding more punishment unto him because he who is without sin will offer the perfect sacrifice for us. Imagine, just if you can, that your dearest and closest friend offers him or herself to the torturer and the executioner for our crime. They are sinless. They are blameless. We did the deed yet they offer to sacrifice themselves for us. What kind of love, what kind of friend is that? Mm. However, as we continue to sin, we now ourselves, who he is suffering for, are whipping the lash. We ourselves are driving the nails into his flesh and looking directly into his eyes as we do it. Sin is not abstract. Sin is our personal addition to the crucifixion of he who came to save us. He is telling the religious authorities, the sinners, then and telling us today the exact same thing. We are all crucifying him, and yet somehow he loves us. 
He forgives us. He holds no grudge. All he asks is for our love and thus stop hurting him and all the others that he loves. If we want to know the state of humanity, perfect man showed up and we killed him. Imagine, try to imagine deeply how at one moment we are broken down into tears as he is led to the place of execution for our crime. And then we walk up, look him in the eye and spit on him. When we contemplate that this is what we are doing, if there is any good in us, and there is, we should turn to him and beg forgiveness. And what is amazing, he accepts our heartfelt confession. If in our heart we resolve with his grace to sin no more and to serve and to love those sinners who continue to torture him so that they may stop and come to love him and others too. What is that mercy? The next question that follows is how can we, by our inactions or our actions to a sinner, be somehow doing it to him? Oh, it's so easy to care for those we love, we like, we respect, we honor, we are subject to. However, it is a far, far different thing to serve those we despise, we hate, we loathe, we are jealous of, we are resentful of. This requires a denial of ourself. Jesus is telling us that in he is in every person. He is telling us to play, pray for Vladimir Putin, for Adolf Hitler and every sinner throughout time because he loves us all, including them. We are all taking our turn as the torturer and executioner through our own sins and our own inaction to call people and ourselves out of sin in love and mercy. Stop and sin no more is not a judgment. It's a loving cry. It means to stop torturing the one who loves us more than any created human can ever love us and to stop torturing those here with us whom he is within. When we sin in action or inaction, we see Jesus claiming to be tortured and he is calling on us to go and love that sinner. And if Jesus is our friend and redeemer, we must act because how could we not? Those most offended by his friendship with sinners were precisely those who were charged with helping to bring people out of their sin by forgiveness and mercy. Oh, the ugly hypocrisy and pride. 
those people were shocked and outraged that one should even be in their presence, much less call them friends or claim the ability to bear the punishment for their sins and to grant them forgiveness of those sins. This is the pride that can affect those who know the law in their minds. Many of us do, but have lost the law in our hearts, which so few possess. Thus, the walk is always a battle against pride and its action, which is lies and half-truths. He speaks to both our words, our minds, and our actions, our hearts. He is calling us to a unity of life that aligns our inner world with our outer world, actions in words. No more mask. No longer do we need makeup. No more surgeries to make us look better in order to hide the distorted self-image we have of ourselves. He calls us to call all people out of their sin in friendship, over a beer, having a meal, because we ourselves have sinned and we continue to stumble. And thus we know ourselves that we must show mercy and we must share it because we receive it. Point them to their creator and share with them the mercy Jesus wants to give to all because he is in us all. However, this calling out cannot and should not be a judgment because we ourselves have no authority to judge. This calling them out is spreading the good news and allowing people to learn and to come to know the good and for them to choose the good of their own free will that their creator gave them. Only God's grace and their own free will cooperation with it will save them or us. Our job is simply to point towards truth in our words and in our conduct and pray for them always. Thus, prayer and sacrifice and friendship are the primary tools of one who seeks to conform our shadowy image of the Lord into a clearer and more distinct image of who he actually is. Rejoice in the day when someone criticizes us for socializing with sinners. Rejoice in seeking forgiveness for the blows we have rendered unto our Savior and struggle daily to love him more instead. Rejoice in loving others in this way because we are actually loving our Creator at the same time. Not sharing the good news is not doing what we are asked to do. If we are humble and we know our own sins, then we can love 
sinners, even the worst of them, because our God in some small way lives within them too. Praise be to God. He is with the least. He is with the greatest. He is with us all. This is what the friendship of Christ means because he can live within us more fully if we actively subdue our sinful wills with his grace and to do his will, which is to love him and to love others because he is in us all. He and we are one. All of the created are meant to be in unity with the creator and with the created. And this is the call to friendship and right worship. We are called to his church that preaches this truth and administers that mercy and forgiveness that he offers through it. Wherever we or you are in this process, in our ultimate choice of how we will respond or not respond, it may be helpful to listen to a good book if your heart has been even slightly moved, even if it doesn't understand everything I have spoken, but we think there's something maybe there that could help explain this mystery, shed light on the church that Jesus of Nazareth created and shed light on how to rightly love the creator and our savior and how to rightly love one another as he did and does forever. May peace be with us all.